0: it's monday november 28th uh chapo coming at you i hope everyone had a good thanksgiving holiday uh let's let's get it rolling today um uh felix i've been uh watching a lot of law and order svu episodes recently because once again you've you've infected my my mind with this and luckily it is on tv 24 hours a day 365 days a year
1: yeah um what period of SVU are you watching
0: uh, like okay, like uh, the, the block that I got into yesterday was more of like season six, season eight, you know, like back when it, before Peter Scavino and any of the new. It's still Munch, Tutuola, Stabler, Benson, like the 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 classic golden age SVU.
1: Yeah, like I mean, okay, so I can I I put it into like two major eras. It's before Christopher Maloney left and after. Um, after Christopher Maloney left. Um. They tried to replace his presence on the show with a su- uh, succession of pissed off detectives. <laughs> they famously had Detective Amaro, who's played by, like, uh, I would say a generic version of Bobby Cannavale. Like one of yeah, those Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Hey, we're we like, walking they, in. You don't yeah. a friggin'
1: rest. Like a guy, like, they'll have a character who's like, you know, he's a detective, but his conflict is that he's too Latino, you know? <laughs> He gets too Latino in his marriage and at his work. And they're like, stop it, stop it. You're getting too Latino. And it's not the same as uh, Christopher Maloney. And then they bring um, in,
0: a, you know, Rollins, uh, the the hot blonde detective who has like a gambling addiction and uh, a, a bad father. OK, so Rollins is ridiculous. Um, Rollins is
1: they what they do for that character. They have this hot, younger blonde detective who's like a shit kicker from Georgia. and. Instead of like giving her a back, like as much of a backstory as Olivia, what they do is like every week she like almost gets like raped to death by bookies <laughs> because she has a gambling addiction or she like does something that that should get her fired as a cop but like doesn't.
0: I mean, didn't they introduce her character by um, she's basically uh. She ends up having sex with a guy who's a criminal, played by Donal Long, who's actually an undercover detective. Yeah, sort of like yeah. To keep his cover, he has sex with a police officer, and then um, that you know pseudo sexual assault becomes the genesis of their relationship on the show. Like, yeah, they, they fall in love with each other.
1: But that's like that's in between her having an on again, off again thing with D- detective Latino, who oh, okay. also like her. They do the same thing with her and Amaro, which is like they fire them and then bring them back every other week because they keep they keep doing insane things like, yeah, going undercover without telling anybody.
0: <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, yeah, I was it, just it,
0: watching the, uh, like the, the, the more clad, the Golden Age SVU, and I got to say my favorite episodes are the ones that deal with like privileged New York City private school kids and like sex panics. I, I, there was literally one about uh, rainbow parties and yes. love, like sex bracelets. And there's one just any episode where it's like online or chat rooms lead to an outbreak of HIV among thousands of uh, high school students in New York, including uh, the risk that Stabler's daughter may have been exposed.
1: Those are really good. I like it when um, this is like later in the Stabler period where they're like, OK, we got a plot twist. Stabler's daughter she has the bad woman disease. <laughs> yes.
0: She has yes. she has woman <laughs> madness. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the she has right. a,
1: yeah the crime Stabler woman is disorder. such a bad
0: father. His, his daughter <laughs> his daughter becomes a whore, and his son is like, "Fuck you, Dad! I'm joining the army." Yeah, Can't be under your roof. And he's like, "I'll always love you, son. I'm not signing your induction papers."
1: Yeah, you can. T- the difference between the two eras of Law and Order, in my opinion, are like okay in the golden era. It, every episode starts out the same it's like a little like new york vignette right it's yeah. like it, it's like a two like you know just tri-state boobs moving a refrigerator and they're like oh i'm thinking about going to the strip club this weekend <laughs> and the other one goes you you're you're full of it you i bet you think those girls really like you and then they like one of them trips and he's like hey watch where you're going this lady's gonna have our ass and he trips over like the most desecrated corpse ever <laughs> And then the SVU detectives are there, but after after Stabler leaves and after they get a bigger budget, they change it. They make it like less New York-y. And what happens is they'll show you like little vignettes. Uh, it'll be like a girl growing up and falling in love and like getting a yes. Teen career. Yes, and then it will immediately cut to her like just like a Yeah, a desecrated corpse and Olivia Benson going. This is the most ejaculated on body I've seen this year. <laughs>
0: No, Felix, I, I, Catherine and I were watching one of the, the very, like, the newer ones, like the post COVID SVU the other day. And the cold open was so bad, we had to stop watching it. Because it was just like, yeah, it was this, like, the cold open encompasses, like, the year of COVID. And it's this woman who, like, owns a restaurant. And it's just like, oh, like, they're, they're, they're banging pots and pans together for carers. And I was like, oh, is this a rip from the headlines episode about my wife sucked off neighbors while I clapped for carers? No. <laughs> it was just this, like, you know, montage of this woman's life and like how hard it was to be, uh, you know, uh, in New York city during COVID. And then she's like going to lose her restaurant. And then it's just like, Oh, she like takes the building inspector hostage. And I'm like, this isn't a special victim. Where are the
1: victims? Because they like all the guys who used to write for that show, that show was perfect because it was written by like, 89-year-olds who wrote every episode of, like, Homicide or New York Undercover so they could write, like, a perfectly self-contained, like, hour-long cop story and, like, just write really fun tri-state goblin characters. But then <laughs> after those guys, like, presumably died of old age, they bring in people who, you know, got master's degrees in TV. And they're like, oh, we should actually, um, I was thinking uh, we, should, we should actually make it sort of like La Dolce Vita in the three-minute intro. Before we show the woman's <laughs> ejaculated on beheaded corpse,
0: <laughs> no, classic one. About, we were like the the classic one, like the teen sex panic one, began with, uh, you know, classic New York City thing. A troop of Boy Scouts on the top of a building, uh, looking at constellations through telescopes, and then like, then uh, then two of them are like doing, you know, they they move the telescope down, and they're like, check this out, you know, like oh, there's a there's a babe in one of these windows, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then like, and then like the 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 scout leader is like, what are you doing? You gotta look at the sky, and then they're like, oh, I don't think she's moving, and it's just a body on a rooftop.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are those are great.
0: And the, yeah, and then in that episode, it was like like, high school girls who are, like... Okay, first it starts off about, like, oh, they're hooking up. And kids don't date anymore because they're just having blowjob parties. And then, very like, from one commercial break later, it's, like, she was a underage porn star with HIV.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are really... That's, like, my... I, I have, like, favorite tropes of the series. And the tropes go on even after the series had a decline after Stabler left. Um, but, okay. Like, when... They investigate school kids and it turns out, yeah, like a 14 year old has seven kids and is a porn (laughs) actress and like is a hooker on the weekends. Um, I love that. I love um, I love when there's a totally normal guy and they get his DNA on like nine murders and then the twist. And it's not a twist anymore because they've done this approximately 37 times. The guy it turns out the guy had a secret son or twin brother who got the rapist gene.
0: He's normal,
1: <laughs> but he has someone who's genetically identical to him who got the killer gene. They, they uh, love doing that one.
0: Okay, there's the one we watched where it was like, okay, it, it, it begins and, and they're doing one of those, like, you know, sort of puppet presentations for, like, um, young children about, like, inappropriate touching and, you know, like, the puppets say, like, hey, what do you do if someone touches you in an unsafe space? And then, they're like, and then after the uh, the little, like, school assembly um they like have an opportunity for the kids to like you know like ask them questions or talk to them one-on-one and then like one of the little kids is like i like you know i touched weenies with someone and they're like yeah okay we gotta get we gotta get stabler in here and then they bring the mom in they bring the mom in and they're like they're like okay like i'm sorry ma'am but like your child has made an allegation that he's been sexually abused and the mother goes not again and it's just like her other kid was abused by her father. And then and then the son that was abused is now abusing his younger brother. And if that's not bad enough, he's abusing his younger brother. But like as a 14 or 15 year old has set up some sort of dark web live streaming yeah. account where he rapes his brother for like a network of what? thousands of pedophiles. Yeah, yes, no, yes,
1: Matt, yes. There are so many. Matt, in like 2007, they did like 50 episodes where it's like, Damn! Not only is he doing child porn, it's gone viral. Thirty five thousand <laughs> views. <laughs> They're like, he gets home from volleyball practice and he starts streaming child porn. <laughs> He's going viral on the child porn net. <laughs> the name of the website was Timmy's Treehouse. <laughs> yeah, all the like, all like in in two thousand seven when they find out about like dark web and shit. Like, according to them, half of all websites are like live streamed, like ritual yeah, child snuff abuse. films and, <laughs> yeah. and rape. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, every time, like, it, it'll always be like they do a lot of that where it's like a teenager is like abusing children and he always, like, he runs off and Kragan, the Dan Florick captain character, always, yeah. like, sideskill. Yeah, Sides King Dan Florick always says like a hilarious, antiquated thing. He's like, All right, people, we found him. Now we lost him. Let's viral him. Just <laughs> <laughs> make him viral on the internet so everyone knows what he looks like. We got to
2: trend him up. We got to trend it.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's put him on MetaFilter, everybody. <laughs> everybody, get on Dig. Redig this. Park <laughs> this content. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, email Lotax. <laughs> Season season twenty eight of Law and Order SVU is dedicated to the memory of Richard Lotaxian. <laughs> so you you you're, you're you're telling you're telling me people pay ten dollars to register and then another ten dollars to search? <laughs> I can search on Google.
0: Uh what a good show!
1: What the hell? What the hell is the Pink Forum?
0: It's <laughs> oh, uh, the best show I've ever made. Yeah, look, it's
1: there great. there is. There are. There's going to be at least one SVU centered episode in the near future. Um, look forward to that. Um, and I don't know. I don't even want to tease the other thing that for that another podcast is doing. Uh, it's very exciting. But a lot of SVU content coming down the pipeline.
2: I mean, SVU might be one of the single most important uh, television shows of the 21st century because it absolutely is. It predates. It predates and sets the stages for the true crime uh, explosion. Like Absolutely. True crime, yes. Popular culture. One of the tributaries there. Main ones is SVU. It's like that's what nourishes the soil where all those podcasts spring up later. Yeah. It like it's interesting because like, OK, we'll brought up like the moral sex
1: panic episodes. Right. That's how like suburbanites got freaked out about this shit before everyone was on the computer all the time. Was that like, yeah, you'd see it on an episode of S.U. or like maybe a chain email or something like that. Or I remember actually, I remember my parents were like very resistant to like most moral panics of the nineties and two thousands. They were very like media literate people and like resistant to that sort of thing. But even they like, I remember telling me one time when I was like nine, they were like, we just heard this news report on on npr apparently suburban girls are joining the bloods gang and getting sexed in (laughs) and like like they were like they were smart enough to like avoid most of those but if you're constantly like bombarded with that where it's like targeted at you like affluent parents it's targeted at you to be afraid all the time even if you even if you resist all the other ones you're gonna hear one that's gonna like you're gonna go oh that's totally true that's happening to everyone that's oh, yeah. probably happening in our, our our block.
2: Yeah, it's definitely happening in the parking lot, which yeah. is the only public space these people encounter in their lives. So of course, it's where they're going to get you, because they're being conditioned to be terrified of any place that has not been uh, privatized, and that like yeah. Yeah, they have some sort of that there's some sort of pi- private power presiding over, because they've lost all faith in like any public sphere. It's just yeah. a, a den of weirdos and vans. With uh, little zip ties they're going to put on your door handle to market later, so you 'll slow down when you come to open the door like you don 't have to slow down to open the fucking door what well, this is a uh, perfect segue into uh,
0: one of the articles I wanted to discuss today as long as we 're talking about um, uh, frightened suburbanites and their overwhelming sense of loneliness leading to a an apocalyptic view of the world uh, This is from the uh <clears throat> Uh, the New York Times uh, just yesterday, it's a headline is meet the voters who fueled New York's seismic tilt toward the GOP. Republicans use doomsday style ads to capitalize on suburban voters fear of crime in New York, helping to flip enough seats to capture the House. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but like uh, the Times does give a. Uh, you know sort of it paints a portrait of a lot of the uh, like uh, Felix as you described the uh, the the Musinex monsters who chant crime, crime crime uh, these are like this is the long Island New York Republican like the, the Lee Zeldin voter, and I just want to read a few things from here today. Says uh, New York and its suburbs may remain among the safest large communities in the country, yet amid a torrent of doomsday style advertising and constant media headlines about rising crime and deteriorating public safety, suburban swing voters like Ms. Frankel helped drive a Republican route that played a decisive role in tipping control of the House. Uh, one thing I'll say about that is, uh, like, I'm, I'm it played a role, but it, this is the New York Times covering New York State politics. The fact that it didn't mention Cuomo's uh, redistricting of the state uh, as a as a as a you know, I don't know, like an, another factor in tipping control to the Republicans of the, in the House is rather telling. But there's some good uh interviews with um basically extras from Law and Order SVU here. <laughs> It says here, uh, several, including Ms. Frankel, said they frequently read the New York Post, which made Mr. Zeldin's candidacy for governor and the repeal of the state's 2019 bail law a crusade for more than a year, splashing violent crime across its front page, however rare they still may be. Many asked not to be identified by their full names out of fear of backlash from friends, colleagues or even strangers who could identify them online. I wouldn't go into the city even if they paid me, a retired dental hygienist said as she mailed a letter in Oyster Bay. A 41-year-old lawyer from Rockville Center said she sometimes wondered if she would make it home at night alive. A financial <laughs> advisor from North Salem in Westchester County said it felt like the worst days of the 1980s and 1990s had returned, despite the fact that crime rates remain a fraction of what they were then. I have kids who live in Manhattan, and I am, every day I'm scared, Lisa Greco and empty nester who voted all Republican said as she waited at a nail salon in Pleasantville in Westchester. I don't want them taking the subways, but of course they do. She continued. I I actually track them because I have to know every day that they're back
2: home. Like, I don't want to keep texting them. Like, are you at work? Are you here? Totally normal. Totally normal way to be just completely uh, Julianne Morden safe. (laughs) But for the (laughs) news, that is a completely regular
1: relationship with the world and its dangers. Yeah.
2: Uh, but the thing is, that what, the, what the guy says in there is, it's like the '80s. Of course, you can nerdly say, uh, "Actually, crime is much lower than it was in the '80s." But the thing is, in the '80s, people were responding to people were processing like those crime rates in social conditions where they talked to other people in a day, where they had social relationships, like spent time in, in talking. Interact with other people hey you hear about steve getting mugged or whatever coming out the subway that's how you would that's the context for that crime now even though crime is much lower we've replaced that social interaction with internet with media yeah. and so it's like all day your friends are telling you hey you hear about steve getting a uh, pickpocketed you hear about dave the knockout game it's that's every if you heard that if that's all you heard in like 1982 you would go insane you turn into the Punisher if every person you talk to in a day talk to you about violent crime instead of you know the handful of conversations you might have in a week that kind of form your understanding of how bad crime is. In, in when you were talking to real humans, you just get this klaxon nonstop, and it's but it's the same social reality. How, what else are you supposed to compare it to? It's it's real to you. That is as bad as it is in New York.
1: Right, right, and I I do think another small thing. In, the, in that uh, paragraph was interesting. How they talked about how they read the New York Post. And these are presumably people who wouldn't have read the Post a lot otherwise, right? Yeah. Because the Post is like, you know, I, I read the Post from time to time. Besides having hilarious headlines. They got the um, best headlines in the game. They, best. They're, they're the best. Um, they actually, they didn't use my suggestion for when Ron DeSantis won, which was going to be, Chris fails to rise again. <laughs> but um great headlines but it's also like it's it's um if you want to read about crimes that's the best paper in new
0: york oh yeah you know well i mean the thing i the thing i noticed in this is that they're they're clearly like um it's the new york times so they they make sure to to mention, and I'm sure not inauthentically, that uh, the New York Post is the uh, paper of record for uh, Long Island, uh, you know, uh, crime heads out there. But I got to say, it's pretty rich coming from the New York Times because, like, they spent the last year and a half pushing the exact same message, just with boring headlines for a liberal readership, not a conservative. But, right, one. right,
1: right, right. Um, but I mean, okay, the New York the New York Times does report on individual crimes, but like, if you want like a crime blotter, You can read the New York Post. And my point was my point was that, like, okay, in general, I do think that, like, a lot of the focus on crime is, as Matt said, a reflection of, like, media consumption conditions and that, you know, the feeling that crime is worse than ever is obviously a media creation. That said, it's still like not a non-existent
2: problem. No, it's a real phenomenon.
1: Right. It's a real it's a real thing that exists. And OK, like there has to be some way to talk about crime that isn't like either the New York Post, like get rid of the sickos thing or the New York Times version of it where it's like get rid of the sickos, but don't feel good doing it. There has to be some way where you can acknowledge that it's a reality that, that exists where you're still not like where you're still not demanding that you put like 17 year olds in prison for life for armed robbery.
2: Well, the problem is, is that. Even if you're the New York Times and you really are filled with that desire to honestly report what's going on with crime in the city, you aren't. You actually have listened to citations needed and you do want to make like you want to be uh, honest and you want to uh, uh, affirm the truth. You still are reporting things, right? You can report on individual crimes or you can report on stories around crime. And in New York, the only stories around crime are Republicans saying it's out of control and then Democrats saying it's out of control. What are you right. supposed to say as the New York Times? Those right. are the only polls. Where else is it? Right. Who else is acting in a way for them to shape the news around? That's it. Those are the two polls. And that's because the Democratic Party in New York is just, just awful, corrupt scumbag association. It's just Tammany Hall blown up where they don't even have the fellow feeling because they don't hang around and s- smoke cigars anymore. They're all on Zoom calls with their babysitters. <laughs> uh, Tammany right. Hall, and, and no one gets a turkey every year. Yeah,
1: right. And there and there's no like if those are your only options, there is no policy beyond 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 like, oh, we're going to give like more money to cops without even any any uh, requirements for where it goes, what type of training. They're just going to buy Israeli military runoff or, you know, something even worse. I mean, there's just there there is no policy because there I mean, okay, if you look at not like, oh, there's more sickos on the subway or whatever like that. Like, if you look at, like, crime in Chicago or crime in, like, Memphis, crime in places that have did have, like, a huge spike in murders, very localized to, like, specific neighborhoods in 2020, there's, like, no real policy that you can actually do that would permanently or at least meaningfully impact anything besides, like, a a massive reorganization of society and its resources. Yes. And it would take... Years and years and probably decades because the conditions there are a reflection of of that, of and like a fundamentally broken society and people who interpret and correctly so that they're at war.
2: Yes. And uh, the same way that they can't address it without undermining you know, the conditions that create crime, they also can't address the conditions that create the thing that a lot of people, especially people who live in cities as opposed to in suburbs, are actually upset about, which is visible poverty. Yes. Right. Right. Also, load bearing, also non-negotiable. Right. I also feel like right, your point right. about New York City,
0: though, and like visible poverty, I think another huge thing uh, that I've that I've, I and many other people have noticed about like uh, the people's perception of crime being out of control is all of the complaints that like everywhere in New York City smells like weed now. Yeah, which is it legal, all, New York is, which is legal. But like, I got I got news for you. It smelled like weed
2: before it was legal.
0: New York, New York has always smelled like something bad. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, always. It's like but, Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm so pissed. It smells like weed here. It's really covering up the urine. I would much right. rather be smelling <laughs> that. Get out of here.
1: Right. And, and OK, like to that end, visible poverty. There's no acknowledgement that these are two separate issues. These are two separate types of crime. Right. There is the actual murder spike that happened, and then there is the complaints about crime in places like New York and L.A., which at the end of the day is mostly just complaining that you see homeless people because which, the again, spike in like,
2: murder, the spike in murder happened everywhere, right? And the spike in right. murder is worse in rural areas than it is in urban areas, as like a, as ratios, and like there are cities like J- uh, Jacksonville, Florida, which are completely controlled by Republicans that have vastly higher crime rates than any of these coastal cities. But well, well, Jackson Jacksonville
1: has like it, it has a murder problem that is identical to some neighborhoods in Chicago and some places in New York and some place, like it's the same thing. It's the same type of thing where if you took out all of these neighborhoods, they would be places. They're all almost all to the exact place, like places that used to be like solidly middle class or like working like lower middle class places that were pretty safe, good places to live. Deindustrialization happens. Yep, the mass degradation of Americans happens. Uh, uh, the destruction of the safety net. Everything happens, and they are as they are now. But like you know, these are uh, like crime is generalized as a singular issue, but that is those are two completely separate things.
0: I'd like to uh, like a uh, uh, segue into an issue that I think very much uh, informs this conversation in terms of people's media consumption and people's perceptions about the world at large and that is a a number of uh, news articles uh that came out over the weekend uh they tally up with frightening detail the extent to which americans across every single racial gender and class line are more alone than they've ever been yeah
1: before we get to that i i do want to talk about like the homeless thing a little bit because i do i i don't know i think that's interesting too because that's That's another thing where there's just almost no answer to it, where no one really presents an answer. It's just, it's the same like shitty. Move it around. Right. It's the same like kicking the can and shitty back and forth that we've seen for years. It's like one group of people that has like an insane psychotic reaction to just like seeing a homeless person at all. And then, then a reaction to it that has been unbeknownst by the people saying it just moved so far beyond any policy that it's just making fun of those people for being freaked out. Yeah. It's like like we we've talked about this before how like a lot of uh, a lot of like homeless policy it's been moved so far to the right because you know what was once there should be housing for these people becomes like oh well i think these people should be able to sleep on the sidewalk without there being spikes put down. Right. I don't think because- there should be a law against them eating out of the garbage.
2: Because if there's no solution to these problems, then the only question politically for me, as a as a well off person in the cities, is how am I going to feel about this? And so it becomes another virtue to hoard. Ooh, right. Yes, keep them around so that I can feel superior because I can say it doesn't bother me.
1: Right. And I do I do want to say that like while you know while I do think that like a lot of this where people just like see a homeless person at all like they see a tent and they start getting freaked out, I think that's insane. I do sympathize, like, with the idea of, like, yeah, being a woman on a subway at night and there's a guy who's, like, severely mentally ill from being forced to live outside for 20 years. That probably is scary. A lot of it probably is scary and it is a fucking terrible situation. But again, it's another one of those things where, like, we're so far removed from any solution outside of, like, authorize the cops to just shoot them all and throw their bodies into a mass grave.
0: Yes, but to the to, to the point about uh, loneliness, I just, want, I just want to highlight uh, a few of these things in these news articles. Um, uh, one of them says, like, uh, just basically a headline, Americans 15 and older are spending a lot more time alone than they did in 2013. The trend started before the pandemic, but it seems unquestion- unquestionable that the pandemic like supercharged a phenomenon that was already beginning to trend in that direction. It says, according to the Census Bureau's American Time Use Survey, the amount of time the average American spent with friends was stable at six and a half hours per week between 2010 and 2013. Then in 2014, time spent with friends began to decline. By 2019, the average American was spending only four hours per week with friends, a sharp 37% decline from five years before. COVID then deepened the trend. During the pandemic, time with friends fell further. In 2021, the average American spent only two hours and 45 minutes a week with close friends, a 58% decline relative to 2010 and 2013. No single group drives this trend. Men and women, white and non-white, rich and poor, urban and rural, married and unmarried, parents and non-parents all saw proportionately similar declines in time spent with others. Yeah, I got to say, like, out, of, out of the many alarming trends in our society today, uh, this is one of the most disturbing to me. The, uh, the isolation and loneliness and people sort of uh, dropping out from spending time with friends, spending time with other people, being around other people. And I think um, what that does to people psychologically is, whether they're aware of it or not, creates a feeling of a tremendous um, fear and uh, insecurity. In your and uh, around yourself, so that like that, that w- the, what you are spending your active time, uh, your free time doing, is I don't know, yeah, like being on the internet, and like I said, whether it's crime or or or, or any other thing, it just it, I think it, people are social animals, and being alone is frightening. Being being alone, it, it like you're you are weaker when you are alone than if you are, you know, embedded in kind of like you know friends, family, a community. Or that like, you know, people who you spend your free time with having fun or just talking or relating to other people, being around other people. And I think it makes people much more easily frightened. And I think it makes them feel, yeah, like like the the world is coming to an end because in a sense it is if like you're not spending time with any other people.
1: Yeah, that is the literal end of humanity. It's the end of the most meaningful thing, the basis for why we're a special animal.
2: And it is what. The, speaking of our last uh, week's episode, that is what our rulers are consciously seeking, a world where they are just a, one consciousness in a tube amusing themselves eternally, and no other person is worthy of any reciprocal relationship. It's like replacing all reciprocal ties between humans with technology so that you are just an, uh, an encased consciousness eternally, and then the, you get to rule over us as we just destroy ourselves uh, well, because we still have some humanity to try to save her and uh, we have nothing to do but act out, which is why we're seeing all this stuff getting worse and worse. And all of our responses to it being channeled into the dumbest, most counterproductive uh, ways and the, the passions, because we don't have any guide. We have no idea other than what our media consumption is telling us, which is just a fucking mirror to our own neuroses.
0: Uh, I, saw, I saw a post this morning that I thought. uh, uh <laughs> A uh, very uncannily summed this uh, summed this all up. This is by a guy named Alexander Wang, who is, of course, a uh, a CEO at a company that deals with artificial intelligence. Uh, his comment this morning was: the real problem with other cities, L.A., New York City, Miami, relative to San Francisco, is that people are severely over socialized. You need time alone to think, reflect, and build plans to do anything important. In L.A., NYC, Miami, the constant solar social roller coaster steamrolls all individual thought. Oh, um, That
1: is, um, if T-800 is going to go back in time and stop anyone, I think it's the author <laughs> of that post.
0: <laughs> uh, levels of eye contact
2: in New York and L.A. are dangerously high. Oh, man, everyone is socializing so much across the country. It's, it's absurd. <laughs> People are hanging out with each other so much. Thank God you can go to San Francisco where... No one has any interaction with anybody else.
0: Well, I mean, like to your your point, Matt, about how like this all serves the uh, the designs of our uh, vampiric uh, overlords uh, quite nicely is because the idea is like, no, like time that you're spending socializing is not is time that you're not being productive. Yes, it's time that you're not working to build important things and to
2: focus on uh, important tasks and thoughts to have any unalienated human values or experiences or connections of any kind.
1: And, I mean, a populace that has relationships with each other, that knows each other and talks to each other, is the most dangerous thing politically. Yes. Any any type of, like, massive formation of people who are all fighting for each other's interests, the very thing that is almost impossible right now with methods of communication and media consumption habits, that is the most dangerous thing. Can't have it. Get can't everybody have it. Working can't, can't it
0: commiserating. Can't have it. C- commiserating, talking to each other. Can't have it. Look, this is what it is. You know, we all. You're gonna do what you're gonna do. Um, uh, one more thing about um, <laughs> evidence of severe social rot, uh, Felix. I saw you share this story uh, just like an hour before we started recording the show, and I, I started reading it and was absolutely aghast. This is the New Yorker article about how hospice care has been like supercharged into this billion dollar industry by essentially like door-to-door salesing people on the on dying.
1: Yeah, I thought this was <laughs> I thought this was insane, obviously. But it did okay, we're we're gonna get into this a little bit, but just to give you the broad strokes, it is basically for profit hospices, which another another monstrous thing in our healthcare system that should not exist. They they are because, you know, it's a tough business. You, you constantly need people who are dying. So how do you solve that problem? <laughs> yeah, you like- tell people you 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 treat people who aren't dying. You tell them they are dying or maybe you just tell the insurance company that they're dying. Uh, one thing that this did make me think uh, getting more conspiratorial is, OK, the the massive trend online of self-diagnosis there's always been a huge thing of self diagnosis online. Uh, it was usually a thing for like the most online, the most the most dedicated keyboard uh, keyboard warriors in the world. It's the th- it's the thing you do when you have just forsaken real life. It, but now, like most things that were big for like the biggest computer users in 2012, everyone does it now. Everyone self diagnoses. Yep. And I mean, okay. If I'm running a for-profit healthcare system that needs people to buy things that they don't need medically, that would be that would be incredible for me. I would love that if people are constantly telling each other and themselves that they have diseases that they don't have,
0: and you know, like, and hospice care is a particularly ghoulish example of this because, as you alluded to, Felix. Uh, how do you have a, uh, a for profit model on providing care for people who are dying when um, as soon as they need it, they're going to die very soon, very shortly right. after the, the services are engaged? So I just want to read from the beginning of this article over the years, Marsha Farmer had learned what to look for. As she drove the back roads of rural Alabama, she kept an eye out for dilapidated homes and trailers with wheelchair ramps. Some days she'd ride the one-car ferry across the river to lower Peachtree and other secluded hamlets where where a few houses lacked running water and bare soil was visible beneath the floorboards. Other times she'd scan church prayer lists for the names of families with ailing members. Farmer was selling hospice, which, strictly speaking, is for the dying. To qualify, patients must agree to forego curative care and be certified by doctors as having less than six months to live. But at AceraCare, a national chain where farmer worked, she solicited recruits regardless of whether they were near death. She canvassed birthday parties at housing projects and went door-to-door promoting the program to loggers and textile workers. She sent colleagues to catch rides on the Meals on Wheels van or to chat up veterans at the American Legion bar. We'd find rundown places where people were more on the poverty line. She told me, "You're looking for uneducated people, if you will, because you're able to provide something for them and meet a need." This is like, hey, like, like you know, I need the Glengarry leads on people who are dying or, or who think they're dying. Well, listen, what can I get you to do to forsake curative care? What can I get you? Wait, what? Look, I'm going to put you in hospice care right now. Let's do a deal. What can I take to get you some hospice right now? But just the idea of like. Uh, trolling uh like just evident talk about visible poverty just trolling for like people at the fucking like margins of societies so if they're not dying now they're like well it's a pretty good chance they're gonna be soon so let's just let's just get them in get them in now sign sign on let's get them to sign on the line that is dotted
2: yeah they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here uh really trying to get that uh profit hen- engine anywhere that's left any like yeah uh hey you know that uh communal experience of gathering your loved ones around you and you know moving towards uh, a, a good death uh where can we wet our beak there yeah how can we get in there <laughs> you know you know uh
1: you know when you talk about like creating something beyond an american nhs and nationalizing every step of production and care and people always say where w- what what are you going to do for people who work in the current industry what are you going to do about their jobs Keep in mind, these are the jobs they're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. The lady who's new fucking for job. Yes. No. Like, there really should be like, a bit more I productive
2: use of that work. Yeah.
1: It's
0: funny. Yeah. It's funny. Like, uh, the creative destruction of the market never seems to apply to the rent-seeking vampires in the uh, privatized health insurance industry. And, Felix, your comment on this uh, is, is exactly right. These people's jobs, their wealth, and their control over the system need to be taken away by force. Yeah. W- no, without I- any remuneration for them just taken away from them. No, America cannot exist as a country with any kind of privatized health insurance system. Top to bottom.
1: I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit whether it is, you know, this woman whose job is, yeah, cruising for dying or people who may be dying soon or definitely dying after she gets in contact with them or, you know, someone someone in the middle rungs of a health insurance company whose job is to tell people, that a cat scan or chemotherapy isn't covered. I don't care. I don't care. Look, if if if, if it's like a job that pays $47,000 a year, I'm sure there's a bureaucratic job in the American NHS that they could fill. If they are if they are making $400,000 a year off this, I they should be lucky that we don't put them in prison if that happens. I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care. No one ever no one ever cries like this for coal miners or anyone else. Nope.
0: Just uh, yeah, a, a lot of vivid examples of uh, social decay on uh, today's episode. But you know what? Let's uh, let's uh, finish out today's episode. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm tired of talking about Elon Musk. We've talked about it too often. I just I, I, I feel that that well has run dry until he, you know, until t- the next stupid thing happens. But I thought we would uh, close out today's episode with uh, a few. Listener questions listener sourced questions, and just uh, have some fun and just uh, see, see what our listeners are coming up with uh, from for the Chapo sounding board for advice, thoughts, comments, and concerns
3: uh, all right let 's see if this will work. Let me know if you guys can hear this Hello, Chapo. I was recently yes. informed by a very drunk old man on the streets of Osaka, Japan that my apartment is located about two blocks away from an Aikido dojo owned by Steven Segal and operated by his son. Uh, I have been able to confirm that this is correct. Should I begin studying the way of Aikido? What do y'all think?
2: Uh, you know, you will be uh, human trafficked. You will have your organs harvested. Do not do this. You're going to go in there for some sparring and you're going to wake up in a fucking bathtub full with ice cubes. In Moldova on a fucking steamship. I
0: disagree with Matt. I'm saying if you have if, if if you just discovered that you were that close to an Aikido master and have the opportunity to train in the way of Aikido with Stephen Seagal and his, and or his son, how could you not take advantage of that? If, if oh if you uh you know I've got an apartment in uh, Renaissance Italy and Leonardo da Vinci was giving classes next door to you. You're telling me you wouldn't you wouldn't take a, you wouldn't you wouldn't check in. You wouldn't want to see what was on offer. Take the Aikido class and you can learn all of the fighting techniques um, for uh, disarming an opponent while you're sitting in a chair. OK, right.
1: um, I, I, I think only only do this if you are prepared for the rest of your life to become a human weapon. Someone who, as Will said, is more dangerous sitting down and staying seated for 12, 13, 14 hours at a time than most people ever will standing only do this if you know for the rest of your life you want to wear safety goggles and the world's biggest leather jacket and every time you meet an alarmingly younger woman you save her from slavery and you get to have full penetration sex without removing your hat goggles jacket <laughs> pants uh, a keto belt a keto boots uh tactical walking cane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or, or 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 taking the yu hoo out of your pocket.
1: Only See, do that if
2: you're prepared for that life. All right, that's what they're going to sell you on it. But you're going to go in there for one ma- one session, and then you're going to black out. You're going to wake up being parachuted over Kiev with a knife between your teeth <laughs> in order <laughs> is to kill Zelensky. Okay,
1: you may we'll, that we'll is possible. That. that is possible. Okay, you may be tasked to fight with an army that is losing to the Ukrainian Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> that may be what happens to you.
0: <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, Putin, BTFO. BTF. Well, yeah. speak, well, speaking of Putin, well, speaking of Putin and Steven Seagal, uh, listener, if if we haven't sold you on joining Steven Seagal's Akito Dojo, then please do yourself a favor. Go over and over to YouTube and search up Steven Seagal Russian martial arts uh, exposition. And you will see He's you will blur. see some of, the, some of the finest examples of, of elite martial art performance ever, ever captured on film. Waves like,
2: after waves of opponents. <laughs> he dispatches <laughs> with ease.
1: Yeah. It almost looks too easy. <laughs> I would say the fastest human I've ever seen. It's probably. amazing. <laughs> it's so fast that it almost looks like he's not moving. <laughs> At all. Yeah, like, like he's doing nothing. Yeah,
2: just standing there.
0: Yeah, like, you know, it, it, it's, a fun, it's, a, it's a very advanced form of martial arts where if you just sort of um, stand there, slightly slouched with a gormless look on your face, wave after wave of opponents will run at you, and then as soon as they make contact with your body, will just sort of crumple like toilet paper. They'll just fall yeah. to the ground as you, as you sort of, like, limply wave your arm at them. I mean, that, yep. that's, what it, that's what it would appear like to the untrained eye, but with the keto <laughs> training, <laughs> you foolish. will realize... Yeah, you will realize the the mastery of the way of the couch.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, next question. All right, this one's uh, a little general, but I figure with the uh, World Cup on, it might... Bloody footy, mate. All right, here we go. It's going
2: home. (laughs) Hey, not sure if you answered this question before, but what do you think the connection between sports and politics is, if there is one at all? Thanks. None. They're the same thing. (laughs) They're teams to root for wow pretty, yeah
0: could you be a little less specific listener yeah <laughs> I, I need something to, to sink my teeth into here uh well the connection between sports and politics i don't know it's just uh, uh you know uh they they say that um you know uh war is just politics by other means well
2: you know uh,
0: politics is just sports by other means by it's other basically means.
2: robot jocks yeah. if you've ever seen that film um, where the, it's it's the, it's the far future and uh uh because of the m- mutual uh, assured destruction there's no more wars. Instead, countries uh, settle their differences with guys in giant mech suits punching each other. I mean, that's that sounds good to me. I mean, that's it. I, the yeah. World Cup would be a lot better if there were robots involved in it. And if it, and if the the match is determined geopolitical <laughs> questions, <laughs> USA Iran tomorrow. Like okay, and, and dude, we got. Dude, I, Can th- they get a nuke it, or not? If, if yeah, Iran that, wins, that they
0: should would get a nuke. So. That game would be so much more fun to watch if it would determine yes. whether Iran can have a nuclear yes. weapon or not.
2: Yes, I think we should all honor that. And that would make sports and politics finally come back together as one thing. And we can all just chill and let the robots pack us into uh, herring crates. Well, no, no, no not, not just are robots.
0: These are, these, are, these are robots with human beings at the control of it. It still comes down to the will and talent of the individual robot athlete, or the robot driving athlete. I mean, I would say, like, uh, just further along on this thought, like, sports are a necessary uh, sort of safety valve to unleash the pressure caused by politics. Because uh-huh. particularly, among, particularly among men and, like, you know, strangers or someone you're meeting for the first time or the guy at the bar or, like, you know, you're meeting your girlfriend's parents or something like that. Politics, you know, obviously, that's a uh, it's risky terrain to engage on if you care about it or you, you, you root for a political outcome. I think sports exists as a like a, a terrain of conversation and relation between men in our society that is like the baseline that anyone can engage in and have and and make small talk over. And yeah, there's competition involved and you can, you know, uh you can sort of uh shit talk and you know like it it provides a terrain of competition that um is a stand in for, you know, other forms of tribalism and competition in our society, but it allows a safe kind of meaningless baseline of because you know like essentially it doesn't matter who wins or loses it's just something fun to talk about and invest your time in
2: and uh yeah have a have a team you root for a very big part of it is second guessing uh we basically made our careers on that just like monday morning quarterbacking the democratic party for a while just like what look at what (laughs) these idiots are doing if if you put me if you gave me the headset Oh boy, I'd run a hell of a play. I'd do the snatch I'd do the annexation of Puerto Rico from Little Giants and we'd win the fucking game.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, the- the- Hakeem Jeffries needs to put some more fucking speed in the slots. <laughs> I
1: want to reiterate my uh, regional point. I think there's zero intersection between politics <laughs> and sports. Um, you can infer zero things about capital and next to nothing about culture, race relations, or gender. Uh, next question
3: hello chapo boys I am a human of the female variant and I spend most of my time playing Valorant hate watching late night shows and listening to various so called leftist podcasts I am at least a six but I am still single every time I try to go on dates I ruin them by getting drunk
1: and talking about Cuba or explaining counter how does a lady like me land a fuckable
3: man thanks guys
1: I'll field this one Oh yeah, I've had had sex, you know, depending on what sanctioning body, three quarters of one time or 1.25 times in my life. (laughs) Look, men today, I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming that you are, you know, around 25, 24 years old. Me myself, I'm a millennial. I'm 49 years old. (laughs) Back in 2015, it was easier to have sex. People had not been as taken over by smartphones and apps. Um, Men today are more lonely, more cowed, more afraid of a forward woman. But if you are seeking not just sex, a meaningful relationship, it will end up in your life in the moment that you are looking for it the least. There will be a guy out there who is into a game that is significantly worse than Counter-Strike, significantly worse in every way uh, worse to play less fun the skins aren't as cool and uh the movement sucks. He will not mind that you play Valorant instead of CS:GO. He will be into politics. He may, maybe he even went to Cuba. Um that guy is out there. But this is just one of those things. When you when you're when you're spending all your time looking for it, that is when it won't show up. Spiritually, you know, I think literally you sound like a very nice uh nice woman. A lot of guys I think would be just jumping in line to date you, but spiritually, when you are looking for it, you are like, uh, one of those guys who wears an Armani exchange shirt in the club and is just trawling around for pussy, just walking with the Frankenstein walk with his mouth open and his arms (laughs) in front of him. And that is when it will, it will come to you the least, but be patient, be yourself. And soon, you will raise regrettably two to three Valorant players.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know to, to reiterate what Bill said. I, I mean, I, I know this works if you're a guy looking to uh, uh, attract women, uh, but I assume it, it it may work in similar ways for a woman looking to attract a man. But the the surest fire way to be attracted to the opposite sex is to, and it's very hard to reverse engineer this. But uh, it, it's to genuinely not care about being de- like uh, attracting another person or like just like you don't you don't need sex or romance or relationship. The Tao of
2: it. Steve,
0: Donald Trump, speaking you're up. You're just yourself. And like that's te- that tends to be when it comes to you. Actually, uh, uh, Chris and I, uh, we went out last night, we went to a concert. Uh, and it was like uh, Chris and Molly and me and Catherine and uh, one of uh, Chris and Molly's friends. And we were talking about like a, like a, along similar lines. And uh, some guy at the bar overheard our conversation, sort of leaned in. And I, I said, I think he put it quite nicely. He said, All romance is just fucking around and finding out. <laughs> so you got to, you got to be willing, you got to be willing to, um, uh, like to, to, to put your heart out there and risk it having be, uh, destroyed. But like the true, the true Tao, like the way of the Bushido is to, already meditate upon having your heart be destroyed in the first place is just to not care think of yourself as already dead and caller one more point uh i know you described yourself as a six don't sell yourself short and in fact don't rate anyone on a one to ten uh, scale of desirability chances are you're a lot higher than that but also all women are tense
1: yeah so, and I, I actually have a way more complex and non-linear system for rating women
3: <laughs> non-euclidean woman rating system yes
1: it involves, it involves calculus
2: her number is damn irrational <laughs>
1: yeah this girl has a cosine
2: anyway
0: you, you sound like a wonderful femoid and I'm sure there's a guy out there for you yes
3: uh, next question yeah
0: hello chapo trap house podcast Uh, This is Max. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I'm sure everybody's made that stupid fucking joke, but uh, what I want to know is what each of your favorite chip is. Let's say you go to the chip aisle at Kroger or, you know, the Bodega or wherever. Um, What kind of chip are you getting? Let me know your, your chip of choice. Thank you. Very good question. Very good question.
2: Yes, very good question.
0: All right, uh, who wants to, who wants question. to kick this off? I'm I'm just I'm thinking for a second here. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple things. I have sort of like there there are regional chips, and for me, like yeah, uh, the, the, the the regional chip that you know I grew up with and that I still love. I think it's a top tier chip. Many people outside the New York City area do not like them, but I like the Utz chips. You Utz know, like, it I up. Like, I like an Utz like sort of like like the the ridged sour cream and onion. I will say that another chip I'm a big fan of is the Lay's sour cream and cheddar chips. That's a good chip. I will say, though, the chip that I think is too highly rated, and I'm sort of like down on all chips of this variety, is the Kettle-style chip. Ooh, shots I, fired. Yeah, it's, I, I'm not really feeling them. I think they're a little too, a little too hard, you know, a little too sharp. <laughs> they cut up my soft little mouth. Um, <laughs> but then again, I used to really like Cape Cod chips, um, but I think the Cape Cod chip quality has fallen off. I don't know. Maybe they've been bought by some European consortium. But... Yeah, I like, I like, you know, the classic ridged chip, but... Ridged um, chip, love it. You know, I like the, yeah, sour cream and onion, sour cream and cheddar. Like, uh, I think those are good chip varieties of, of most standard brands.
2: Chris, what are your feelings on Grippos, Cincinnati's own Grippos chips?
3: Uh, They're fine. They're very cakey. I don't like... Yes. The uh, texture is a little difficult for me to get into, but... Yeah, eh, not a fan. Okay.
2: uh i you know what there's a bunch i like and i'm a big fan of certain specialty chips some of them are sadly no longer on the market like uh lays did a promotion where they had a bunch of different wacky styles they had a euro one that was really good they had a korean barbecue that was great uh like they had a uh, a fried chicken and uh no no i'm sorry biscuits and gravy they had a biscuits and gravy chip that was fantastic uh but sadly those are all gone u.s we have the worst, by the way, of the Anglosphere, we have the absolute worst chip technology. How does the snack capital of the world, how does the gorging hole of humanity have such <laughs> meager fucking chip options? We don't even have all dressed. In Where's our country. all dressed? Where's Those our all really dressed? Good.
0: The, the Lay's all dressed are wonderful.
2: And the ketchup flavor chips, too, also Canada, superior, Britain, superior. All the Asian countries get out of here. They got like a jamone Barrico chip in fucking uh, lay in uh, Spanish lays, for God's sake. So I, but I would say that my war horse, the one I crave when I walk by the aisle and most likely to grab on an on a impulse sour cream and onion Pringles. Mm, interesting. I like the Pringle. I, I know it's not technically a, a potato chip, according to English common law, but <laughs> I still enjoy it a great deal. Matt,
0: do you, uh, do you do you remember when you almost made us all victims of sectarian violence in Dublin? When you oh my uh, god made fun they of were Mr. Ready to, Tato, to, to fucking
2: roll a car bomb <laughs> up to us? Yeah, they're
0: breaking out the armalite, they're pulling on the balaklava. <laughs> we're talking shit up there. They love, they there. love the
2: Tato, Mr. Tato. What I found out though is that there's two different t- Mr. Yeah, Tatos in Northern Ireland and uh, you know the Republic of. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's amazing they've got a fucking protestant and a catholic potato man that's how indicate that's how
1: dedicated they were to that project for so long i don't really like chips that much of course not you have more of a sweet tooth right (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah well okay to keep it in the realm of potato snacks a potato chip is as bad for you if not a little bit worse for you than fries uh, the fries are bad for you, not because they're potato, but because of the fried surface area. That's why smaller cut fries are higher in caloric content and fat than larger uh, the, the steak big forest, fries. Yeah, surface steak area. fries. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm eating a fried potato, I'd rather have fries, which are on average about as bad for you and much more fun. And if I'm just eating something bad, I'd rather have I'd rather have um, ice cream, an ice cream, a cake, or a candy. Do
0: you guys have any? Do you guys have any feelings strongly for or
2: against salt and vinegar chips?
1: That is like no, no, that, no, no. I feel like
2: they kind of are like IPA to me. They're like the IPAs of chips. They got sucks, super hype. They became the standard. And I I like them in certain circumstances. I think the salt and vinegar chip is an yeah. ideal chip for putting on like an Italian style hoagie for crunch. Ooh, for crunch. Uh, yeah, like you got you got some oil, and then you put salt and vinegar chips on. You know, like a like a uh, one of those uh, Jimmy John's subs with like the, the uh, salami and such. Now we're talking. But just to eat out of a bag, it's a little too. It's meh. a little too yeah.
1: Those suck. No, those um, fucking suck. Those are like something that a Scottish person would eat. Yes, very
0: Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, so I do, I do agree with like though.
2: Ah, Christ.
0: Yeah. I, like, that's why i like the chips though because they're they're softer i think they're really good for adding to sandwiches and you just press the bread yes, down. yes exactly a nice crunchy crunchy layer on that hey, Could you possibly put up on sandwich. the sandwich
2: and then deep fry it laddie?
1: what an ugly ugly people oh hideous
0: very very nice though yeah wonderful. thank you for the potato chip question listener
3: all right uh, one <sighs> more question guys yeah let's let's do one more uh what do you guys what do you guys like One on college, one on future casting presidential elections, or one on Berlin techno clubs. Uh, let's just do... College. College. All right, here we go. Animal, house, house, house. Here we go. All right. From listener Madeline. Hello. My question is, even though you guys are fairly anti-college, which is a a sentiment that I agree with, do you think the liberal arts are valuable to study? Um, the great books and that sort of thing, studying literature and art history. Uh, if the university is the wrong venue for that, because of how what Americans have done with it, or because of how it's structured nowadays, where do you think a good venue for learning that sort of stuff is, and why?
2: Okay, I have, I have, I have a thought of this. I have an idea. We need to destroy college and get rid of it. People are like, whoa, what do you replace it with? It does valuable work. I understand that some subjects are capital intensive to re- enough to require like a fixed asset to study around and you might have a few regional facilities that do that kind of advanced stuff but in my mind college classes would be free and available in the community you live in of all topics and that and that you would pick that you would educate yourself and then there would be skill trade learning as part of that and but also the uh liberal arts and every other fucking thing but there would be no colleges
0: yeah no i uh, to, to madeline's point uh, i'm a i'm a, I'm a huge fan of the uh, liberal arts of the study of you know art literature history, and I don't think you can regard i don't think you can be regarded as educated without some some exposure to a liberal arts education and like you can be I'm not. I'm not saying like you know the, the, the sciences or highly skilled technical fields are uh, not worthwhile. Obviously not. But there's a reason why let's let's say most engineers and doctors are a billion times smarter than I am in many ways. But I still regard them as um, uncultured uh, dullards. I mean, I think That's they're gen, they're genuinely stupid people because they have an incredibly they an incredibly highly. Uh, like technical skill that takes an insane amount of education and discipline to uh, get you to the point of having one skill that like only a handful of people have that's very useful to society. But essentially, that's why I don't think their opinions are valid on anything outside of brain surgery. Yeah, or, get it out of uh, here. Con- constructing, a, I don't know. A, 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 a,
2: You're sacrificing. A, you know, you you have to. You have it's a your your education is a and D build. You you know these guys all min maxed as they say, and that means that their other. Uh, uh, their other counters are fucking empty. And you need those. You need people I mean, with like, those counters.
0: Have you, have you guys noticed, actually, just over this last week, um, people have been pointing this out, particularly among crypto people, the astonishing hostility they have to reading books. The very concept it, of reading infuriates them. Well, I mean, like, look, the proof is in the pudding. It's there. This is what not reading books leads to. This is yep. what being very, very smart in in quotation books and like looking at numbers and data and markets and all that shit. This is what it leads to. Yep, is obliterating billions of dollars of wealth in um just petty frauds and scams. If you do not read, if you do not read literature on your own, if you do not seek out books and art that you are interested in engaging with, that like takes some 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 mental lifting on your part to engage with like i don't think you're an intelligent person i don't think you should be regarded as intelligent nor do i think you should be given any kind of real authority
2: in our society absolutely you're uh you're a a fucking hunchback you're a freak get out of here you've 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 warped yourself into a mutant through through intellectual onanism i want to say though some people say oh if you did that you you don't have that camaraderie and like coming into adulthood feeling of going to college and yes that's true uh that's why in my fantasy world that I'm describing here, there would be national fucking service. People would have to go and work together on projects, and then they would go home, and then they could fu- study whatever the fuck they wanted.
1: Uh, knock yourself out. <laughs> 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 have fun. Get a degree. I don't care.
2: Uh,
0: all right. Let's, uh, let's leave it there today. Uh, thanks again to our uh, listener, Collins. I do just want to say at the end of today 's episode on the uh, topic of uh, listener engagement, I would just like to uh, thank everyone who uh, reached out to me via email or message regarding the comments I made at the top of last monday 's episode We got a lot a lot of a lot of reaction to that. A lot of people transcribed it and shared it, and a lot of people sent me very heartfelt emails and messages if i didn 't get a chance to um, reply to all of them personally, please know that I saw them. And they meant a great deal to me. So uh, it it means a lot to me that uh, what I said resonated so deeply with so many of you. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who uh, reached out to me or or, or shared positive thoughts or kind words uh, about what I said at the top of uh, last week's show. So thank you for that.
3: Uh, I would just also like to add that I think that this new uh, call-in system is working well, and uh, I think we're going to keep it rolling, so if you want to submit calls, uh, just email us at calls at chapotraphouse.com uh, Leave a under 30-second uh, voice note or recording of any kind, and uh, we'll keep the call line open. Calls at chapotraphouse.com Alright, gang. Uh,
0: talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right.